Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone official sponsors of the Irish rugby team team of us everyone in it's spinning it's spinning Jonathan Sexton has made it do you feel moderately happy no I feel like I've been kissing my sister I suppose in the pocket for his drop goal attempt here he goes O'Gara he's done it that surely is the grand slam we target players all the time that's part of rugby isn't it let me know Sexton, wonderful pass and Stockdale finishes. There'll be more than grenades. There'll be full tanks and 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 full shells landing on the Aviva. Grand Slam winners on St Patrick's Day at Twickenham. Now then, Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent is here in the studio, and Eddie O'Sullivan is on the line. You're there, Eddie? Yeah, indeed I am. Well, well, well. How things have turned around in the space of a few days. We've gone from top of the world to full-blown crisis. Um, I haven't heard you anywhere across the week. Give us your take on Saturday in broad terms and then we'll get stuck into specifics. Game. Funny old game, rugby. <laughs> um, well, I, I think England were on a bit of a mission and they ambushed us in, in broad terms, you know. Um, we've been we've enjoyed those ambushes ourselves in the past and tweaking them a few times, you know. And I think their focus on this game, from their perspective, is about restarting their engine about for the World Cup and they thought this was a great opportunity. Uh, they took a lot of rest, I know. They didn't work very hard when they were in the warm weather camp, just a lot of strategy. And they got a really good game plan put together and they executed it very well. And they seemed to, when they had the ball, they knew how to pin us in our own half, which doesn't suit us. If you can pin us in our own half, we don't play out of our own half very much. And when we tried to play with the ball, the defence was outstanding. John Mitchell's obviously had a big impact there. And they just clobbered the hell out of us. So we couldn't get anything going. And even when we tried to go around the outside, we had a few little sorties, but going mm. nowhere. Mm. But they had those big up and in hits. Um, so I, I just think they outplayed us on the day. Like if we played it the following day and we had a chance to adjust, uh, we might have beaten them because there wasn't a lot in it at the end at the end of the day. But the source of their tries were really putting the ball in behind us. Two of them came from kicks. Uh, forget about the interception. And the other one was a defensive error by Keith Earl. So, you know, despite everything, they're all fixables. Mm. But the problem is we didn't fix them on the day and now we're looking down the barrel of a bad start to the championship. Can you expand on that point for just a moment? Because you are uniquely placed or, or, or in pretty rare company, uh, certainly in this conversation. So you've been looking down from the coach's seat and things are not going well. And there mm. are all these many adjustments, big and or small, that can be made. Can you give us a sense, maybe there's a, a game that pops into your head as, as an example, but give us a sense of how difficult it is to make those adjustments, to communicate it down to pitch level, to communicate the right ones uh, under that kind of stress and pressure? It depends on what you're trying to get in. But one of the simple things you've got to get in on Saturday that wouldn't have really been difficult was to put the ball down in the corners a bit, stop playing out of our half. Mm. They had like 13 guys in, in the um, in the game on, on, on the tackle line and they were getting off the line really heavily. And it's a chicken and an egg. If they win the first couple of collisions, it's very hard to regenerate energy when they're getting off the line so hard. So it's times that we need to kick a lot earlier. And unfortunately, when we did kick, everybody, even they got going to Burger Van outside and we were kicking, and the wings had dropped deep. So the space that was there early on in the set was gone. Mm. Um, so we, we probably should have played a kind of a two-phase-and-out or one-phase-and-out strategy where we hit it up and went long straight away to get out of our half. But we seem to be insisting on carrying and carrying and carrying and uh, just getting shut down. Mm. Um, in terms of, well, you can't kick all day either, you know, that's the other side of it. You've got to run at some point, but I think they had our number. They were very tight. They had lots of numbers. We needed to spread them out and try and go through them rather than trying to go around them with spots. They read the spots very well. Our animation wasn't great. Um, the spot would come off the second receiver, but you've got to be really accurate. 
I still think we'd have been better off spreading them out and looking for soft shoulders and going through them. And if you saw the last try we got, we went through them. I mean, you know, Cronin went through the rock and that was it. Mm. So there might have been there might have a time to adjust to that, especially at half time. It's hard in the first half. We could have done more kicking in the first half, but I think at half time they should have talked about spreading them out and going through them more, looking for soft shoulders. And then once you get on, if you get a couple of quick gain lines, then you can get on about your business. Mm. But if you lose the first couple of hits, it's it's just slugging. And they they were prepared like if they made something ridiculous like. I think their their pack made uh, a something like uh, one hundred and forty three tackles. You know, Villapola, at Marco twenty seven, George eighteen, Wilson twenty seven, Corey seventeen. That was a shift of work, and I think that was they just struggled, they just smuggled us, and we couldn't get out over the game line, and we didn't didn't adjust, we just didn't adjust. Mm. Do you want to add anything there, Rory? No, I think that's really well summed up. I mean, I think that. One thing Ireland could have done better was get pressure on the, the English kickers because a lot of talk has been about the backfield, but you know they managed to England got an, an armchair ride and there, you know they varied their kickers quite well, but very rarely was Owen Farrell facing the same level of pressure that Johnny Sexton was. Mm. Um, but I do think that you know one another fix that could have been found from the Irish coaching box was probably personnel wise because I don't think Conor Murray was having a good game. I think the quality of passing coming from the base of the rook was slowing down the ball carriers, they were forced to check, they were reaching up to get balls over their head. Mm. Johnny Sexton was waiting for the ball, kind of had, it was dying in the air in front of him while Tuolagi was straight out in his face. And what's the point of having John Cooney there? Who, now, when he came on, the game was over, England had slowed down, mm. but he was so snappy, like the, the game just speeded up. Now, again, it was over. Uh, it's hard to tell whether that was just England that slacked off, but it looked like Sexton was getting the ball quicker than he had been. Um, you know, Joe has always been slow to, do, to to change his halfbacks, and Murray is a, an exceptional player who has an unbelievable long-standing service to Ireland. Yeah. But he wasn't having a good game. Um, but you know, it was a bad day at the office, and it was a great day at the office for England. And it all it all keep coming back to that first line out when they when they they sprinted in, and yeah. CJ Stander and Keane Healy were still, had their backs turned over. Were still offside when the line was taken. I was just watching after the press box, and you just set up one. Oh, they're on it, mm. and Ireland just didn't have the right emotional intensity. Maybe their motivation, motivational factors weren't there that England had. Apparently, players down on the sideline, the English players were so hyped up towards the end of the game, talking about the way Ireland celebrated their Grand Slam last year. Right. They clearly put, you know, uh, you had a, a number of motivational factors that Ireland probably could, didn't have because they've won every game in the last well, couple of years. Hard, and that is a difficulty. But it, on know. that point, yeah. and I suspect you were part of the group of print journalists that heard Schmidt say this, mm. and I'm very interested in this comment. Uh, we were very quiet before the game. I didn't sense the same energy levels I would have in November when the All Blacks came. If you don't have that mental preparation done, it's pretty difficult to get a foothold back in the game. I didn't sense it. I didn't feel it. You almost get this vibrancy from the group and we didn't have it tonight. His demeanour when he was making that point? His demeanour after the game was businesslike and he, I always find him almost better after a defeat. I think it clarifies his thinking very well and he's not trying to play games in terms of players who played well, trying to keep them on their toes. He didn't take a huge amount of responsibility for anything himself. Everything was was other people. He was actually asked directly, it was direct contrast to Sean McVeigh, the, the Rams coach yeah. on Sunday, who took everything on himself. He was asked, would you have done anything differently? He said no. And he, you know, he, But he, he did lay out the issues that he felt were there. Um, quite uh, articulately and quite clearly and whether you agree with them or not that he's very clear in his head about what went wrong but that yeah. was a very interesting thing it did come in the briefing that we have after him the only time I can remember him saying something similar was the Italy game at the World Cup in 2015 when he said the bus was quiet and they didn't play well that day and Italy came quite close to shocking them in, in that game 
Um, I think he, he puts a lot of onus on the players to get that stuff right themselves. They talk about this mind gym that they do. I've never 100% understood it, but the, 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 the players are, it's, the onus is on the player to get himself right. Mm. Um, See, we almost just assume they will. It feels like of a, of, of, a, of a bygone era to be talking about getting up for a game. Anytime you ask about that stuff, they tell you it's a bygone era. Yeah. So you kind of almost, you know, you, 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 you forget it. You, you, yeah, you expect, because over the last year they've just managed to get to the right pitch for nearly every game they've played in, bar maybe the Argentina game where they kind of managed to get their way through even though they weren't particularly good. But maybe this was a, a reminder that the, they they can't just rely on being Ireland. That being they're not the All Blacks yet. That they can't even the All Blacks have off days. But you know that they still need to get up to ninety percent or you know get up to that level of performance. Especially when there's such a, a target on their back. Maybe all things being equal, it's sufficient. But when England have such desperation, it's an entirely different story. Eddie, you've articulated brilliantly there what was going on when Ireland were pinned in their own half and England were winning the collisions. So. Uh, pretty quickly, you can assume that Ireland will will go to a box kick to try and alleviate some of that pressure. Uh, yeah. Joe Schmidt picked that that out in particular, um, and he talked about the wall of English bodies blocking Irish runners as they tried to chase the ball, yeah. and he felt this was illegal and it was let go. Because um, mm. I guess we're talking about this game as much, you know, about the game itself, but also is there a blueprint now to stop Ireland? So every coaching ticket will have looked at the way. The box kick, the Irish box kick was negated. Uh, Joe Schmidt was not happy with the way that was refereed, with the, that, that, the wall of English runners blocking the Irish um, kick chase. Can you talk to us about yeah. that whole area? Yeah, I'm I, I, I not that sold that we were actually, you know, got a raw deal in that area. Like, I mean, I told you, kind of a collision with, with um, Earls was off. Yeah, that, that was yellow car territory, and he probably could have gone yellow. Yeah. Um, he made it look like he was going for the ball, but he was never going to get the ball. Um, but I, I, I don't. I mean, we were at it as well a bit. Like on that particular collision, Conor Murray was was blocking Johnny May, so everyone does it. And just one team, do, you can't have it that if they do it better than us, the ref should have picked it up. If we do it better than them, we'll play on. Yeah. You know, and yeah, teams do that. It's what you do. You try and get in front, and and they watch it. I, I, I couldn't see anything jumping out like where there was guys completely like mobbed, or or, or you know, or, or mugged off the ball, and they got away with it. So. I, I'm not buying that narrative completely. I just think that that they had their homework done well. They mm. knew we were going to kick it, and they got guys under. There was one great one example where Johnny May was up in the line, right up in the line. He was part of the 13. We took a ball. We took it up. We got nailed behind the gain line. We built the great, the, the great wall of China to block Conor Murray's kick, and Conor kicks up the bomb a bit too far, and Johnny May standing under it. That's... Johnny May caught the ball and they, they were had the possession back and that mm. that to me is not good execution. I think I think they had a pretty good idea how it, to pose the question for Joe Schmidt is that we do play a nutritional game of rugby. We are very good at keeping the ball and we're very good at winning collisions and we've been very good at it. We won a Grand Slam. We've beaten the All Blacks, but teams have maybe figured out well if you take Ireland's collisions away and you're patient and you deal with the bombs, you know, and you keep them in their own half. The other thing England did really well is. They kept us in our own half as much as they could because we don't score many tries from our own half. Mm. We tend to get into your half, put you under pressure, you give us a penalty, we kick it or put it in the corner and score a try, or we just hold on to it and you crack and we score. Mm. It's a traditional rugby. And they they were, um, they were kind of reversed all that. They didn't give us the field positions. And we three trips into the 22 in the whole game. Very unusual for Ireland. We didn't dominate possession. We didn't dominate territory. Very unusual for Ireland. And they tackled their socks off. But just going back to Rory's point there about the guys being up for it, I, I see it slightly differently, Joe. Um, 
we we tend to talk about guys going up for like that they're they're all ready to rock and roll like they've got their head in the right space and they're ready to run through brick walls. I don't think it's that at all. Um, if you the whole mental preparation side of the game, one of the symptoms of 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 anxiety or or too much uh, stress on a player is they'd go into themselves. Mm. And if you, I would say, and it's happened to me on occasions. I've been in a you get a quiet change room, you get very worried. It's not that they're not up for it. They've gone. They've probably gone over the top and down the other side a wee bit, and the stress is getting to them. They're 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 they're, they're kind of guys go into themselves a wee bit. And we, if that was in the change room, we fellas were probably maybe almost too up for it and gone over the top on it. And you need to re-energize them then. And it's not difficult. But maybe it's just about getting them together on the warm up and really getting them physical on the warm up. It's kind of jolting them out of their kind of torpor. Mm. There's a bit of torpor about us, but I don't think guys were relaxed at all. I don't think guys were going all. Oh, we're, we're Ireland, they're England, we've got them covered. I, I don't believe that for a second. I just think that maybe the stress of the occasion, the pressure of the occasion, maybe they sensed thing they were on a mission, and they were. Um, that was that was obvious from the way they were talking, that guys went into themselves a little bit. They got a, uh, The stress got to them a wee bit. And that's a bigger worry. If it's just a simple case of getting guys up a bit, and they'd be fine. Yeah. So that, And I, I saw that. I saw that in the World Cup in 07. We went into ourselves in the World Cup in 07. Yeah. And everything we tried, we couldn't get them out of it. So I, I think it's a little more complicated than that. But anyway, sorry for jumping. That's another thing. No, that's very about. interesting. It's very interesting. And there's more rationale to that than they just couldn't get themselves up for England yeah, in I, Dublin I, I, I'm not on the opening round. Fellas yeah. were too cocky. I don't. That's not. That doesn't. Ex- I don't believe it exists in that team. In fact, it doesn't exist in professional rugby. You want to be a real, real idiot to go down that road, mm. no matter who you're playing. I don't, I don't play that. Uh, we're streaming on Facebook at the moment and YouTube and Periscope as well as the radio later on this evening and um, questions in, you'll enter our Heineken Star Comment of the Week competition. Lots of goodies to be won at the end of the week. So a question here from Ger Lynch, which I'll tie in with a quote from Keith Earls. Ger Lynch, do you think Ireland's game is too predictable? Uh, Keith Earls was uh, talking about the game today at Carton House. I'm sure you were there, uh, Rory. He put his hand up for the try. Uh, 100% my fault. I got my numbers wrong on the edge. I didn't see Daly out there. I thought it was May. I was going to go for the intercept. Obviously, Farrell's pass is one of the best in the game and it beat me. I should definitely have just tucked if I had taken a look up. I should have tucked in with Connor. Fair enough. He's put his hand up. That happens. Uh, later on, he was talking about uh, wing play generally, Eddie, and um, you know he's defending high up in the line these days. But he was he was saying of Ireland, it's getting to the stage where we were well able to read other number 10s, but I think 10s are starting to read us a lot better now, and there's no better man than Farrell. And that is a big comment to make. I'll, I'll bring you in in a yeah. sec, Rory. But, but yeah, us I, defensively I, and, and, and predictable, yeah. the word predictable is being used, basically. Well, it's, it's kind of like um, you get to know the team's strategy. Like we're using like the three men off to 10 or three men off to nine, and then the wrinkles off that. It's either out the back or it's a tip on pass or it goes from one of the receivers out the back. And you can read you can read the triggers on that a lot of the time. And England would have put a lot of work into that. We've been doing this for a few years. Mm. Now we've been gradually getting more expansive on it, but there are triggers you can pick up on. And if you can England were prepared to play up and in as well. Now, if teams play up and in, like if there was that uh, that penalty that, that Farrell missed, which could have sealed the game, he eventually got one to seal the game, was uh Courtney Laws came up and in and smashed Ring Rose and they won the penalty at the breakdown. It was on the halfway line and, and he missed the kick, or it was in one the time he missed the kick. Mm. He made that read early. There was three Irish players out wide if we could have got the ball to them. But they were prepared to take that up and in risk. And when teams do that against you, you have to adapt. You mm. can't, you, you can't, um, you come predictable then on that pass out the back and they make a read and they smash you. And I think, and I, think, I, think I think Earl's here is actually talking more so about the Irish defence. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, yeah I, think, I, think he's um, the, I think he's saying other number 10s well, are starting know, to read us better now. I, I know the Irish defence are, are, are playing. Andy, Andy Farrell's, like, there were problems with the numbering off in the Irish defence for a number of years. And I think it's got better in terms of numbering off the short side. We don't get caught out wide as much. But one, the trade off is playing the wings very high. And I think two of the tries, the, the try down Earl's channel and the chip try that Stockdale fumbled, mm. Stockdale was a, a fault to that as well. Stockdale, if he looked up, there was no need for him to come up into the line. Connor Murray had the outside man. He committed up. And the system is, I think, if you make a second pass, the wing comes up regardless. Bad read, came up and gave him to have too much to do. Unlucky bounce, but the best outcome there for, for, uh, for, 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 um, for him was a five-minute scrum. And, mm. and England knew that. They were either getting a five-minute scrum or if it broke well, it was a try, and they got, they got the good break. Earls as well didn't even have to, didn't have to come up. And there was a possibility of a drift offence there. Mm. And because if not, Johnny May got around the corner, I guarantee you, you know, um, Henshaw had his hands full anyway. So I'd be for not letting Johnny May around the corner. If they played up and out soft, used the touchline. But he completely broke the system, came in up and in. And there was two around the corner, end of story. So our wingers are getting caught out a wee bit. And there's a lot of work to go in of them making very smart decisions as to when they commit up and when they commit back. And it's not easy. It's a lot of real estate back there. I mean, I played in the wing and it's not easy, mm. particularly when you're expected to come up and in on occasions. Mm. Like up and in means you've got to get into the line. But if you've got to get into the line, you can't play deep. Yeah. So I think that's an area that they found we were a bit ropey on and they went after it. And, 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 and just explain that point to me again. Stocktail is meant to come up on, did you say, on the second pass? Well, on the second pass, the, the wing comes up and joins the line, the outside wing. Okay. But, but if you look at that replay again, when the second pass went in, yeah. Stockdale came up, but he didn't have to. Conor Murray had the outside man. So, so he didn't he almost over, he didn't have the experience or, or whatever to uh, react like, to the, that given follow, situation. He was just following the system slavishly. But yeah. if he looked up, he didn't have to come up. If he'd stayed five metres back, He'd have comfortably dotted that down for 22. Yeah, it does answer but the question. Because yeah, yeah. I, I was wondering why he came up yeah. uh, when and you there watch are the it. Mar- but there are the margins. They were so small. Yeah, you I know, guess there, that's just a, fact a young player is more likely to have that slavish adherence to a system, Rory. Um, there's a lot in that. Were you there for Keith Earls talking about all this? I was actually talking to James Ryan at the time. Right, okay. You missed the good time. stuff. I mean, well, James Ryan's in tomorrow's paper, so okay. yeah, you can see he's actually quite good. He, he's, he's always been quite... Um, uh, quite quiet and stuff, but he he was quite good because it was a, for him Stockdale, Larmer, Bundyaki, um, Andrew Porter. It's the first time they've ever gone through this. They weren't even like he was born in 1996. They weren't even around for the 90s. They don't remember. They've never very rarely seen this sort of thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. I think that to the point about the predictableness mm. of Ireland. I, I remember asking or someone asked Robbie Rob Howley after the 2016 or 2017 defeat to Wales, the time Conor Murray did his shoulder. Were Ireland too predictable today? Because when Ireland lose, they always looked at this way. Joe Schmidt defeats are never pretty. They're they're always quite ugly, and um, he, he kind of laughed at us. And goes, Joe Schmidt team predictable? Like what are you talking about? This guy asks us more questions than any other coach. And I think what what Ireland wouldn't have been predictable if they'd been accurate. They tried to run moves, but people were in the wrong positions. The passes weren't going to hand. Uh, at one stage, Keith Earls and uh, CJ Stander ran into each other, which you've seen an awful lot at Munster this year. Um, so they weren't the, the kind of, you know, Eddie talked about the, the kind of ways that Ireland get into the game earlier. The other way they get in is through those kind of smart set plays that they do to break out of their own 22 or, or break out of their own half or, or, or to open up defences. For some reason, they just weren't accurate with them at all, whether it was CJ Stander picking the ball from the base of the scrum that time. I'm not sure if that's where he was supposed to go. He took over at scrum half during that play. I'm not sure if that was his role because Conor Murray was hanging around as well. Players 
just weren't doing what they were supposed to do. What we, you know, th- we we expect this team to know their roles so well. At one stage, Johnny Johnny Sexton puts a, a chip through and then looks around to Jordan Armour going, "Where were you?" Yeah, it was only Peter Armani chasing it. Armour had decided to, to to hang back for for some reason. Players do, weren't doing what they were supposed to do. I suppose that is a bit of predictableness that when what you know that Johnny Sexton expects Larmer to be there because he's done it in training so much. But when Ireland are at their best, when they're when they're when they're humming, when they're all singing off the same team sheet, they know what they're going to do. But the other team can't stop them. Um, when it goes wrong, it, it does look like they're they're doing trying to do the same thing. You know, trying to do the same thing over and over again, but yes. getting, getting the same answer. So. Yeah. Um, I think you know they've talked an awful lot. The word accuracy is coming up an awful lot this right. week. Certainly with the ball, they they feel like their accuracy was way off. Their passing was poor. A lot of passes uh, hitting that ground. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure why Bundyaki was given the role as a first receiver. Yeah, to, to expand on that. Like there are contrasting opinions on this. I know Ronan Agara thinks Bundyaki is a very good passer to the extent that he said everybody going well, big World Cup game, he'd have Carney and Ringrose and Bundyaki. Uh, Carney at fullback, and then the two, and Henshaw first to come in, I suppose. Whereas uh, Shane Horgan would make the point that Aki, uh, with certain types of passes, like he can offload, but there's certain types of passes where it's not good, and it's not that it necessarily hits the ground. It might just hit an inside shoulder and interrupt the momentum, and it's not his natural game. So I would suspect the Horgan camp, if you're in that camp, are looking at Bundyaki getting on so much ball on Saturday and not understanding why. Well, I don't think... I wouldn't base my selection of, of, of Bundyaki around his passing yeah. as, as a starter. I think he's an excellent player who adds a huge amount to Ireland's game. But when Gary Ringrose is there, I would have him taking that ball when Johnny, you know, when Johnny Sexton is is out either out of the game or is, is is kind of lining up elsewhere. And he's done it. Like that's the game they've been developing for the last year and a half when Ringrose has been in the team. He's been the, the kind of second distributor. He set up I think it was the Scotland game last year, he set up the try um for Stockdale if I remember correctly. He he is excellent at that. He just always seems to have time and space on the ball. And, he, and, he, and he can kick the ball as well, which is an extra threat. He just the defense has no idea what he's going to do. Whereas maybe Bundyaki's passing style was was more um, is more predictable. I'm not sure, but um, I just yeah. When you, there's a player there who I think is better at playing alongside him, and and why not use Bundyaki in a different role? It was almost like they were trialing that. I mean, they kind of trialed Robbie Henshaw at fullback as well. Mm. They are trialing things. They've 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 clearly gone for a few experimental things for to, with, with a view to the World Cup. Yeah. I say I suggest that the well, Bundyaki or Gary Ringos isn't there this weekend, so maybe Bundyaki will be there again. Maybe he needs to just needs to get the role a couple of times in big games to get it to get it. But it just didn't make sense in that game, given the personnel that were there. And it was part of a wider malaise around Ireland's yeah. passing, which, which, which was poor. Come in on all that, Eddie. And the team this week, uh, the word seems to be, and it's obviously all unconfirmed, is Carney will come back in and it will be obviously Henshaw at 13 and Aki at 12. I, in some respects, it's a pity the Ringrose injury has happened. Well, one, because obviously you could do with them, yeah. but it would give us a real insight into what Schmidt well, would, yeah. uh, made of Saturday. So, um, so talk to us about that whole area. I mean, Rory started the conversation there with Bundyaki. Yeah, I, I'd be inclined to be in the, the Shane Horgan camp on that. I, I think, yeah, Bundyaki brings that extra level of physicality and he's very good in the offload. <clears throat> and it's not just about his actual ability to pass, it's the decision when to pass, you know. Okay. And I, I think that's that's the crucial difference. I think um, when it comes to the decision-making side of it, that uh, Robbie Henshaw is a more natural footballer. And I think himself and Ringrose have a better synergy between them. And on the other side of it, synergy, uh, talking about the synergy between them, Ringrose is extraordinary at beating the first tackle. I mean, he just gets by the first guy almost every time. A bit like Drico used to. Like, I remember, you know, talking to Raj about it, and we'd say, like, if you're in trouble, just get us a Drico. 
and he gets over the game line. Mm-hmm. It wasn't by, might be five yards, two meters. It didn't matter. It changes the momentum of the game. And I think they need to probably trust Ringrose a bit more on that rather than Aki. And if you're going to go that road, then it makes more sense to have Robbie Henshaw inside him, who could probably even create that opportunity for him and could take the ball up if you have to. Robbie's a big lad. Uh, so I, 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 I think we're in a better place with those two, but it's off the table anyway with Ringrose injured. He's a, yeah. I think he's a big loss. Um, so I, 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 I think it would be interesting if if um, if uh, Rob Kearney wouldn't have come in if Robbie if, if we had an option to put Ringrose in the centre with Aki again would he have stuck with that? You know? Yeah, yeah. I thought I, he might have gone for Farrell outside centre. Right, you know? and, and what's your sense? Um, I suppose what I'm asking there is how good or bad was Henshaw? Bad being the more um, obvious description of his. I, generally, was that hard? Yeah, I would, I would say two things. I think he worked his socks off. I mean, he, he got two balls in behind him and how he kept him in the field of play and we cleared our lines was extraordinary. Right. Like, right. he literally got the... He got like a thumped every time and he was like six six inches from the goal line and he held on so we didn't give away a five-minute scrum. So, like, the guy played his guts out. But if you look at him at times, he was slow to move because he wasn't sure when to move. Uh, for example, he 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 came across. I don't think he was going to ever ever get to Stockdale's fumble, yeah. but he gave himself a mountain to climb if he had ever a chance. He was still trotting under the sticks. He should have been under the sticks a lot earlier. Um, he was he was just out of position. You could tell he wasn't sure where he needed to be. And a lot of that is if he played if he played for Connacht the week before, he'd probably been a lot better. But at that level, like if you're one or two steps out, like it's all over. We've seen it before, like. Um, we saw it last. It was it two years ago? Conor Murray was was playing sweeper mm. against Argentina. He was two paces the wrong side of the sticks. Argentina stuck it through and they got a try. So it's a very difficult adjustment from because he hasn't played there, and you put him in at a very high level with a very very smart out half, who've come on a mission to exploit him. And I think he got a pretty raw deal. It wasn't his fault. He did the best he could. But I don't think you could risk him again next weekend. I think right. the Scots could cause similar problems. And, and I, I don't think we're the same problem facing yeah. us overall. Yeah. And if we accept all that, Rory, the World Cup is coming sharply into focus. Like if you list off the number of competitive games, you know, the, you, the Henshaw experiment has kind of run out of time if you're not going to play in Murrayfield. Like then you, almost, you would almost have to say, well, if I really want to give this guy a fighting chance come World Cup time of filling in at fullback, I almost have to give him the France and Wales games to get up to speed. And that's arguably unfair on Rob Carney. And you maybe you risk losing one, if not uh, both games. I know you said this, this, the feeling is that, that it, it's going to be Rue and, and Carney coming back. Rue is, pre- I'd be pretty confident on Rue. I'm not, I, I don't think there's a huge amount of information out there about that fullback decision. I think a lot of people are, are making, making assumptions. Okay. Um, so there is a, still a chance that Chris Farrell could come in at 13. And, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think that, the game is the result now over overtakes the World Cup. Why I think, do you think that is? Because we're playing them in the World Cup. Because the nature of the England defeat was so bad, it's put it's putting questions in players' minds about the whole thing. You know, you got to bounce back from a defeat like that. You can't lose two in a row at the start of a Six Nations. It's just inconceivable based on the year that they've had. But we don't know what Rob Kearney's. Uh, what shape he's in, we mm. don't know. Like the last time we saw Rob Kearney, he had a, he had a poor game against the Scarlets. He's played very little rugby, so there's there's an awful lot of faith being put into Rob Kearney's ability to step up if he does come back in. But he does cover that backfield a lot better than Robbie Henshaw does because he just has so much more experience, and it's something he's been doing for almost fifteen years yeah. at this stage. So my gut is that he will be, will go for him, and, and it gives him an easy out to, to put Henshaw into 13. I think he kind of had to stick with Henshaw at 15 if Ringrose was fifth because he'd made the big call. What does it say to Robbie Henshaw's confidence? Now he can put the arm around and show look, we, we'll get you in there again. 
Um, but it didn't really work. It wasn't helped by the fact that Keith Earls got injured in the first minute and then played through the pain barrier for 39. And then it, you had two, a 21-year-old and 22-year-old on the wings who probably that's not their strength, the backfield work, and didn't play particularly well either of them. But um, you know, Eddie's outlined why it didn't. You know, the, the reasons it didn't work. So, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Can he go back to it for Italy? Is there any merit in go back to Italy? What do you, do, you do you go back for France at home? Not really. There's, where's the continuity there? And suddenly the team is lacking continuity yeah. all over the place. So there's also that. It's funny. Schmidt said at the outset of this Six Nations, you can't win a World Cup here, but you can lose momentum. And yeah. I remember thinking, ah, he doesn't really mean that. And yeah. suddenly, you know, yeah. the way we're we're dicing this up now, you can see how you would. Oh yeah. Depart on March 16th, feeling a whole lot less certain about everything. Uh, Quinn Rue, briefly, because I do want to talk a little bit about Scotland. Uh, the word is he's going to call the lineouts. He does it for Connacht. Yeah, it looks that way. Um, Ulton Delan is probably is the other option because Billy Holland was called in this week, but he's only just arrived. Yeah. Ulton Delan, to, to my knowledge, doesn't call lineouts, and James Ryan has kind of just started to learn that craft. Whereas Delan, I think, has done it for Ireland before. Certainly does it at Connacht. So he'd be known for his, his, his set-piece play. Certainly his, his scrummaging is the one thing that the coaches always come back to. His physicality, he's you know, 123 kilos, yeah. big man. But he is Ireland's fifth or sixth choice second row um, who's suddenly been put into a very serious position of responsibility in a very important game. And it's, mm. you know, he, played, he made his debut against South Africa, the country of his birth in South Africa, and played very well for 50 minutes in Johannesburg that day. He hasn't started a game like that of that magnitude since and I'd say this is a bigger game it's, it's a massive ask for him and a guy I don't know a huge amount about because he's kind of kept a very low profile since right. arriving in Ireland in 20, 2012 and from a line out point of view he had Toner and Henderson with him yeah. that day in South Africa as well so it's it's something to be aware of uh, Murrayfield then Eddie um, Scotland yeah. are good at Murrayfield that's the first thing to say uh, Tyke Furlong said they'll play with a bit more width than England uh, some excellent strike runners I, I don't know what we learned from the Italy game but um, Scotland and Murrayfield certainly are a prospect well, uh, the thing I learned from Scotland um, is that if you let them play, they can be dangerous. You know, they, they will get you if you let them play. Uh, but then again, I think they're kind of fickle. I think if you get into them and you take a little bit of stuff away from like, I mean, the way they imploded at the end with three tries, and we were saying, oh, yeah, it was the end of the game, the game was over. Like, if they were a good team, they'd have kicked on and hit 50 points uh, against Italy. They just walked, like, literally run through them. And some of the scores they got in the first half, Italy was just defending, like, you know, lemmings. They don't know where they were. So I, I don't think I think Scotland have got their injury issues as well. Um, I'm not sure about their lineout. It might we might, you know, if they had a full loaded lineout with Richie Gray in that, I, I think it'd be big pressure on Quinn Roo. But I think unless they've got a loaded lineout, we're probably okay. Um, I and I don't think we've got to change. I don't think we we have to change now what we did against England. I think we may have to be a little smarter at times when to when to kick the ball. Maybe less, less predictable when we do. But I still think we can play because I think we can out muscle. Scotland, where we right. couldn't out-muscle England. Right. I don't even need to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. But I agree with, with Rory that the, the whole prism of the Six Nations has changed now because um, apart from Scotland playing us in the pool game, I, I'm not I'm not that hung up on that. I'm more hung up on us losing momentum. Like, if this turns into uh, a poor Six Nations, you know, let's say we lose to Scotland and we beat France and we get caught in Cardiff, which is distinctly possible. Mm. I, I think that's going to be one of our toughest games. Um, you know, trying to re-energize everybody off the back of a bad Six Nations and the, the pressure going into the warm-up games in, uh, in the summer would be huge. Okay? The whole dynamic changes. So I do think he realizes now that he's got to get uh, some juice back into the team. And, and to win in Scotland is one way to do it. Um, I think they have to win. I think they have to play well also. I don't think like falling over the landing in Scotland is going to get rid of any, any kind of nigg niggling doubts that are there. But if they put in a big performance and win comfortably in Scotland, you say, well, yeah, they're back in the zone. But... Mm. That's a lot of pressure because Scotland or Scotland, 
I, I mean, two years ago, they they got it right against us and they beat us. So remember, they just they chopped all our runners at the ankles, early doors. They were able to identify our ball carriers, chopped them down, got in over the football, made a rock, you know, a bare knuckle brawl, and, and they they nicked us. Um, and even though we came back at them, they held on. So. I'm not saying it's an easy going to be an easy game. The biggest game problem on Saturday is not going to be the Scots. It's going to be between our two years. Have we, you know, can we keep our composure and do a number on them? Because we we should be able to beat Scotland still. Mm. We're still a better team than them. Mm. But that quietness that Joe talked about, uh, if that appears next Saturday again before the game, I'd be worried about that. That is a hard thing to break when a team goes into that uh, neg- negative space in their heads. You know. Yeah, Rory, thoughts? Um, I'd be quite concerned. I. I think if you think of it, Rob Carney's undercooked, Johnny Sexton's undercooked, Conor Murray still hasn't got back to his best, Quinn Roos hugely untested at this uh, this level, Sean O'Brien's probably come into the team but he hasn't played an awful lot of rugby, although he looked very sharp at the weekend and it's a short period of time to turn around what was quite an underperformance but those issues were there before the England game and we thought this is Ireland, they are you know, 18 in the last 19 games or whatever it was going into that game, they haven't become a bad team overnight. If they play anywhere near their potential this weekend if the bus is on time they get to the stadium in good nick they are a better team than Scotland and should beat them and I think that Eddie's right I think they'll go to they'll pick Sean O'Brien Quinn Roo you know even Henshaw in the midfield they'll look to overpower they'll look to, to, to go back to their power game and, that, and that, they will be angry the power game works more so against the Scots obviously it would work against England if they actually brought it I mean I don't buy the, the England are bigger bigger, faster than Ireland I think Ireland when they're at their best can bully any team they did it in Twickenham last year they just didn't bring it. They were they were out muscled, and that that's a that's something that Irish tight five will be stewing on all week. And you'd expect to see a response. If you don't see a response, you'd be very concerned. Okay, so Ireland win, just about, just about. Ireland win, Eddie. I think so. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be shocked if we don't. Um, well, we're having a hell of a conversation next week if we don't. <laughs> well, I think yeah, we'll be visiting a lot of areas again. But yeah, I I I'd be I don't want to be cocky, but I'd be fairly confident. Like we've only lost to Scotland I think three times in nineteen years or something like that, or eighteen years. It's a record's in our favour. But you like this is Six Nations rugby. Rory is right. You just you got to get a lot of things right, or you get caught. As we saw last week. Okay, Eddie O'Sullivan, thank you. Rory O'Connor from the Irish Independent, thank you. Uh, more rugby across the week. Wednesday night rugby on off the ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us. Everyone in.